Section 27, Volume 5 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Easton. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 5, Section 27, 461st through 464th Night. When it was the 461st night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the damsel was playing chess with the expert in presence of the commander of the faithful, Harun al-Rashid, whatever move he made was speedily countered by her, till she beat him and he found himself checkmated. Quoth he, I did but lead thee on that thou mightest think thyself skilful, but set up again, and thou shalt see. So they placed the pieces a second time, when he said in himself, Open thine eyes, or she will beat thee and he fell to moving no piece save after calculation and ceased not to play till she said thy king is dead checkmate when he saw this he was confounded at her quickness and understanding but she laughed and said o professor i will make a wager with thee on this third game i will give thee the queen and the right-hand castle and the left-hand knight if thou beat me, take my clothes, and if I beat thee, I will take thy clothes. Replied he, I agree to this, and they replaced the pieces, she removing queen, castle, and knight. Then, said she, move, O master. So he moved, saying to himself, I cannot but beat her with such odds, and planned a combination. But behold, she moved on, little by little, till she made one of her pawns a queen, and pushing up to him pawns and other pieces to take off his attention, set one in his way and tempted him to take it. Accordingly he took it, and she said to him, The measure is meted, and the loads equally balanced. Eat till thou art over full. Not shall be thy ruin, O son of Adam, save thy greed. Knowest thou not that I did but tempt thee, that I might finesse thee? See, this is checkmate, adding, So doff off thy clothes. Quoth he, Leave me my bag trousers, so Allah repay thee. And he swore by Allah that he would contend with none, so long as Tawadud abode in the realm of Baghdad. Then he stripped off his clothes, and gave them to her, and went away. Thereupon came the backgammon player, and she said to him, If I beat thee this day, what wilt thou give me? Quoth he, I will give thee ten suits of brocade of Constantinople, figured with gold, and ten suits of velvet, and a thousand gold pieces. And if I beat thee, I ask nothing 
but that thou write me an acknowledgment of my victory. Quoth she, To it then, and do thy best. So they played, and he lost, and went away, chattering in Frankish jargon, and saying, By the bounty of the commander of the faithful, there is not like her in all the regions of the world. Then the caliph summoned players on instruments of music, and asked her, Dost thou know aught of music? When she answered, Even so, he bade bring a worn lute, polished by use, whose owner, forlorn and lone, was by parting trodden down, and of which quoth one, describing it, Allah watered a land, and up sprang a tree, struck root deep down, and raised head a sky. The birds o'er sang it when green its wood, and the fair o'er sing now the wood is dry. So they brought the lute in a bag of red satin, with tassels of saffron-colored silk, and she opened the bag and took it out, and behold, on it was graven. Oft hath a tender bough made lute for maid, whose swift sweet lays at feast men's hearts invade. She sings, it follows on her song, as though the bulbuls taught her all the modes she played. She laid her lute in her lap, and with bosom inclining over it, bent to it with the bending of a mother who suckleth her child. Then she preluded in twelve different modes, till the whole assembly was agitated with delight like a waving sea, and she sang the following. Cut short this strangeness, leave unruth of you, my heart shall love you I by youth of you. Have ruth on one who sighs and weeps and moans, pining and yearning for the troth of you. The caliph was ravished and exclaimed, Allah bless thee and be merciful to him who taught thee. Whereupon she rose and kissed the ground before him. Then he sent for money and paid her master Abu al-Husn an hundred thousand gold pieces to her price. After which he said to her, O Tawadud, ask a boon of me. Replied she, I ask of thee that thou restore me to my lord who sold me. Tis well, answered the caliph, and restored her to her master, and gave her five thousand dinars for herself. Moreover, he appointed Abu al-Husn, one of his cup companions, for a permanence. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and sixty-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the caliph gave the damsel five thousand dinars for herself, and restored her to her master, whom he appointed one of his cup companions for a permanence, and assigned him a monthly stipend of a thousand dinars so long as he should live. And he abode with the damsel Tawadud in all solace and delight of life. Marvel then, O king, at the eloquence of this damsel, and the hugeness of her learning and understanding, and her perfect excellence in all branches of art and science. And consider the generosity 
of the commander of the faithful harun al-rashid in that he gave her master this money and said to her ask a boon of me and she besought him to restore her to her lord so he restored her to him and gave her five thousand dinars for herself and made him one of his boon companions where is such generosity to be found after the abbasid caliphs may allah almighty have mercy upon them one and all and they tell a tale of the angel of death with the proud king and the devout man it is related o auspicious king that one of the olden monarchs was once minded to ride out in state with the officers of his realm and the grandees of his retinue and display to the folk the marvels of his magnificence so he ordered his lords and emirs equipped them therefore and commanded his keeper of the wardrobe to bring him of the richest of raiment such as befitted the king in his state and he bade them bring his steeds of the finest breeds and pedigrees every man heeds which being done he chose out of the raiment which rejoiced him most and of the horses that which he deemed best and donning the clothes together with a collar set with marguerites and rubies and all manner jewels mounted and set forth in state making his destrier prance and curvet among his troops and glorying in his pride and despotic power and iblis came to him and laying his hand upon his nose blew into his nostrils the breath of hauteur and conceit so that he magnified and glorified himself and said in his heart who among men is like unto me and he became so puffed up with arrogance and self-sufficiency and so taken up with the thought of his own splendor and magnificence that he would not vouchsafe a glance to any man presently there stood before him one clad in tattered clothes and saluted him but he returned not his salam whereupon the stranger laid hold of his horse's bridle lift thy hand cried the king thou knowest not whose bridle rein it is whereof thou takest hold quoth the other i have a need of thee quoth the king wait till i alight and then name thy need rejoined the stranger it is a secret and i will not tell it but in thine ear so the king bowed his head to him and he said i am the angel of death and i purpose to take thy soul replied the king have patience with me a little whilst i return to my house and take leave of my people and children and neighbors and wife by no means so answered the angel thou shalt never return nor look on them again for the fated term of thy life is past so saying he took the soul of the king who fell off his horse's back dead and departed thence presently the death angel met a devout man of whom almighty allah had accepted and saluted him he returned the salute and the angel said to him o pious man i have a need of thee which must be kept secret tell it in my ear quoth the devotee and quoth the other 
I am the angel of death. Replied the man, Welcome to thee, and praise be Allah for thy coming. I am aweary of awaiting thine arrival, for indeed long hath been thine absence from the lover which longeth for thee. Said the angel, If thou have any business, make an end of it. But the other answered, saying, There is nothing so urgent to me as the meeting with my Lord, to whom be honor and glory. And the angel said, How wouldst thou fain have me take thy soul? I am bidden to take it as thou willest and choosest. He replied, Tarry till I make the uzu ablution and pray, and when I prostrate myself, then take my soul while my body is on the ground. Quoth the angel, Verily, my lord, be he extolled and exalted, commanded me not to take thy soul but with thy consent, and as thou shouldst wish, so I will do thy will. Then the devout man made the minor ablution and prayed. And the angel of death took his soul in the act of prostration, and Almighty Allah transported it to the place of mercy and acceptance and forgiveness. And they tell another tale of the angel of death and the rich king. A certain king had heaped up coin beyond count, and gathered store of all precious things, which Allah the Most Highest hath created. So, in order that he might take his pleasure whenas he should find leisure to enjoy all this abounding wealth he had collected, he built him a palace wide and lofty, such as befitteth and beseemeth kings, and set thereto strong doors, and appointed for its service and its guard, servants and soldiers and doorkeepers, to watch and ward. One day he bade the cooks dress him somewhat of the goodliest of food, and assembled his household and retainers and boon companions and servants to eat with him and partake of his bounty. Then he sat down upon the sofa of his kingship and dominion, and propping his elbow upon the cushion, addressed himself, saying, O soul, thou hast gathered together all the wealth of the world. So now take thy leisure therein, and eat of this good at thine ease, in long life and prosperity ever rife. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and sixty-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that hardly had the king made an end of saying to himself, Eat of this wheel at thine ease, in long life and prosperity ever rife, when a man clad in tattered raiment, with an asker's wallet hanging at his neck, as he were one who came to beg food, knocked with the door-ring, a knock so loud and terrible, that the whole palace shook, as with quake of earth, and the king's throne trembled. The servants were affrighted, and rushed to the door, and when they saw the man who had knocked, they cried out at him, saying, Woe to thee! What manner of unmannerly fashion be this? Wait till the king eateth, and we would then give thee of what is left. 
quoth he, Tell your lord to come out and speak with me, for I have of him a pressing need and a matter to heed. They cried, Away, fool! Who art thou that we should bid our lord come forth to thee? But he said, Tell him of this. So they went in and told the king, who said, Did ye not rebuke him, and draw upon him, and threaten him? Now as he spoke, behold, there came another knock at the gate, louder than the first knock, whereupon the servants sprang at the stranger, with staves and weapons, to fall upon him and slay him. But he shouted at them, saying, Bide in your steads, for I am the angel of death. Hereat their hearts quaked, and their wits forsook them. Their understandings were in confusion. Their side muscles quivered in perturbation, and their limbs lost the power of motion. Then said the king to them, Tell him to take a substitute in my place, and one to relieve me in this case. But the angel answered, saying, I will take no substitute and I come not but on thine account, to cause separation between thee and the goods thou hast gathered together, and the riches thou hast heaped up and entreasured. When the king heard this, he wept and groaned, saying, Allah cursed the treasure which hath deluded and undone me and diverted me from the service of my Lord. I deemed it would profit me, but today it is a regret for me, and a calamity to me, and behold, I go forth empty-handed of it, and leave it to my foes. Thereupon Allah caused the treasure to speak out, and it said, Wherefore cursest thou me? Curse thyself, for Allah created both me, and eke thyself of the dust, and appointed me to be in thine hand that thou mightest provide thee with me a viaticum for the next world, and give alms with me to the poor, and the needy, and the sick, and build mosques, and hospices, and bridges, and aqueducts, so might I be an aidance unto thee in the world to come. But thou didst garner me, and hoard me up, and on thine own vanities bestowedst me, neither gavest thou thanks for me as was due, but wast ungrateful to me, and now thou must leave me to thy foes, and thou hast not save thy regretting and thy repenting. But what is my sin, that thou shouldst revile me? Then the angel of death took the king's soul, as he sat on his throne, before he ate of the food, and he fell down dead. Quoth Allah Almighty, while they were rejoicing for that which had been given them, we suddenly laid hold on them, and behold, they were seized with despair. And they tell another tale of the angel of death and the king of the children of Israel. There was a puissant despot among the kings of the Banu Israel, who sat one day upon the throne of his kingship when he saw come in to him by the gate of the hall a man of forbidding aspect and horrible presence. The king was affrighted at his sudden intrusion, and his look terrified him. So he sprang up before him and said, 
Who art thou, O man? Who gave thee leave to come in to me? And who invited thee to enter my house? Quoth the stranger, Verily, the Lord of the house sent me to thee, nor can any doorkeeper exclude me, nor need I leave to come in to kings. For I reck not of a sultan's majesty, neither of the multitude of his guards. I am he from whom no tyrant is at rest, nor can any man escape from my grasp. I am the destroyer of delights and the sunderer of societies. Now when the king heard this, a palsy crept over him, and he fell on his face in a swoon. But presently coming to himself, he asked, Art thou then the angel of death? And the stranger answered, Yes. I conjure thee by Allah, quoth the king, Grant me one single day's respite, that I may pray pardon of my sins, and ask absolution of my lord and restore to their rightful owners the monies which are in my treasures, so I may not be burdened with the woe of a reckoning, nor with the misery of punishment therefore. Replied the angel, Well away, well away, this may be in no way. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and sixty-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that quoth the death-messenger to the king, Well away, well away, this may be in no way. How can I grant thee a reprieve, when the days of thy life are counted, and thy breaths numbered, and thy moments fixed and written? Grant me an hour, asked the king. But the angel answered, saying, The hour was in the account, and hath sped, and thou unheeding aught, and hath fled, and thou taking no thought, and now thy breathings are accomplished, and there remaineth to thee but one breath. Quoth the king, Who will be with me when I am transported to my tomb? Quoth the angel, Not will be with thee, but thy works good or evil. I have no works, said the king. And the angel? Doubtless thy long home will be in hell-fire, and thy doom the wrath of the Almighty. Then he seized the soul of the king, and he fell off his throne, and dropped on the earth dead. And there arose a mighty weeping and wailing, and clamor of keening for him among the people of his court. And had they known that to which he went of the wrath of his Lord, their weeping for him had been sorer, and their wailing louder and more abounding. And a story is told of Iskandar zu al Karnain and a certain tribe of poor folk. It is related that Iskandar zu al Karnain once came in his journeyings upon a tribe of small folk who owned naught of the wheels of the world, and who dug their graves over against the doors of their houses, and were wont at all times to visit them, and sweep the earth from them, and keep them clean, and pray at them, and worship Almighty Allah at them. 
and they had no meat save grasses and the growth of the ground. So Iskandar sent a man to summon their king, but he refused to come, saying, I have no need of him. Thereupon Iskandar went to him and said, How is it with you, and what manner of men are ye? For I see with you forsooth not of gold or silver, nor find I with you aught of the wheels of the world. Answered the king, None hath his fill of the wheels of the world. Iskander then asked, Why do you dig your graves before your house doors? And the king answered, That they may be the perspective of our eye glances, so we may look on them, and ever renew talk and thought of death, neither forget the world to come. And on this wise the love of the world be banished from our hearts, and we be not thereby distracted from the service of our Lord the Almighty. Quoth Iskander, Why do ye eat grasses? And the other replied, Because we abhor to make our bellies the tombs of animals, and because the pleasure of eating outstrippeth not the gullet. Then, putting forth his hand, he brought out a skull of a son of Adam, and laying it before Iskander said, O Zu al-Karnayn, lord of the two horns, knowest thou who owned this skull? Quoth he, Nay. And quoth the other, He who owned this skull was a king of the kings of the world, who dealt tyrannously with his subjects, specially wronging the weak, and wasting his time in heaping up the rubbish of this world, till Allah took his sprite and made the fire his abiding sight, and this is his head. He then put forth his hand and produced another skull, and laying it before Iskander, said to him, Knowest thou this? No, answered the conqueror, and the other rejoined, This is the skull of another king, who dealt justly by his lieges, and was kindly solicitous for the folk of his realm and his dominions till Allah took his soul and lodged him in his garden, and made high his degree in heaven. Then laying his hands on Iskander's head, he said, Would I knew which of these two art thou? Whereupon Iskander wept with sore weeping, and straining the king to his bosom cried, If thou be minded to company with me, I will commit to thee as wazir the government of my affairs, and share with thee my kingdom. Cried the other, Well away, well away, I have no mind to this. And why so? asked Iskander. And the king answered, Because all men are thy foes by reason of the wealth and the worlds thou hast won, while all men are my true friends, because of my contentment and pauperdom, for that I possess nothing, neither covet aught of the goods of life. I have no desire to them, nor wish for them. Neither wreck I aught save contentment. So Iskander pressed him to his breast, and kissed him between the eyes, and went his way. And among the tales they tell is one concerning the righteousness of King Anurshiwan. It is told of Anurshiwan, the just king, that once upon a time he feigned himself sick, and bade his stewards and intendants go round about the provinces of his empire, 
and the quarters of his dominion, and seek him out a mud brick thrown away from some ruined village, that he might use it as medicine, informing his intimates that the leeches had prescribed this to him. So they went round of the provinces of his reign, and of all the lands under his sway, and said to him on return, In all the realm we have found nor ruined site, nor cast away mud brick. At this Anurshuwan rejoiced and rendered thanks to the Lord, saying, I was but minded to try my kingdom and prove mine empire, that I might know if any place therein remained ruined and deserted, so I might rebuild and repeople it. But since there be no place in it but is inhabited, the affairs of the reign are best conditioned, and its ordinance is excellent, and its populousness hath reached the pitch of perfection. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 27 Recording by Eva Easton, Slotesburg, New York, May 2011